Hi, and welcome to the Sheep Show podcast dedicated to all things ovine. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm and Sheep Stud and your host. This is your podcast to learn more, know more and achieve more when it comes to shepherding. Come with me as we explore the amazing world of sheep and sheep farming together. So welcome to this very milky episode of the Sheep Show podcast, because today we explore for the first time, I believe probably even for the first time on any podcast, we actually focus on milking sheep and dairy sheep. And who better to talk about this than Becca from Hidden Hollow in Idaho. So Idaho, if you're not familiar, I know a lot of my listeners are in the US, so they'll know instantly where, where Idaho is. Thank you, Becca. Becca is a listener too. How exciting is that? Thanks so much for having me. Okay, so we are in Idaho. We're actually in southern Idaho. Basically, if you take Nevada and Utah and right on the um, border of the two, we are right above that. So we are very, the lowest part of Idaho and um, we have mountains to the south of us, a lake, mountains to the north of us. We're kind of surrounded by mountains and it's It's a little bit of a challenge for farming because we do have lots of rocks, but it also gives us lots of really good pasture too, because we can't farm on it. So it's great to be able to put the sheep out on it. Ah, Fabulous. Perfect. So tell us a little bit about the, the size of the farm you have and the type of sheep you've got. Sure. So we are, or we have about a hundred and little over 103 acres and only about 40 of that is is farm ground that we can actually use for our hay and our corn. Um, The rest of it is either for buildings or for pasture. And the sheep that we have, we do have dairy sheep and we actually do a four-way cross. So they are um, East Frisian, Lacoon, Asif, and Awasi. Not Awasi, Icelandic. And what's the climate like where where you are? What sort of climate conditions do you have and, and variable climate do you have? It ranges. Summers, we can get up to 100 degrees, so it's pretty warm. And then winters, we do not very often, but we can get into the negatives. Okay. So we we have the whole range, but it's also very dry here. We only get about, I think it's like 10 inches of rain a year wow. and um, around about 18 inches of snow, if that. This year, we 40 degree wet, 40 degree weather. <laughs> Yeah. this this January. So it's been really nice to be able to get stuff done. So, but you do get snow and your sheep, are they indoors or outdoors or a bit of both? The only time our sheep are indoors is when they're lambing. Mm-hmm. We bring them in, everything is out on pasture year round. We do bring them in about a week to 10 days before they lamb. So they lamb in the barn and then they'll stay there till they're about 45 days old. And then we put the lambs out on a separate pasture so they don't travel the whole, you know, 40, 50 acres that they're on there. They're in a little smaller area. Wow. And then all of the times you've got your your sheep just in a sort of rangeland type conditions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Wow. Tell, tell us about the dairy part of it. How we started the first time or the second time? <laughs> oh, the whole story, Becca, the whole story. Okay. Okay. So to get the whole story, kind of have to start back to how we started this whole ordeal. So I made an offhanded remark to my husband 
one day that I wanted some sheep that I could milk just for our family to do cheese and butter and milk. Wasn't even thinking a big scale of anything, just wanted it for our family. So he kind of gave me one of those, yeah, whatever. And I never thought about it again. So then I got home from work one day. He says, load up, we're going to go get your sheep. So I ended up with six ewes and a ram. And we brought them home. And that first year, we literally did nothing with them. We just kind of let them out on pasture. They did their thing, had a couple lambs. And that's when I knew sheep were it for me. I absolutely fell in love with lambs, with the whole lambing aspect, everything. It was just, it was fabulous. And so then I made another offhanded remark that, well, maybe we should actually milk these for, you know, more than just ourselves if we're going to do, well, he'd, he'd gone and bought a 20 more head of sheep. And that was in 2015. So I have my original six, then he brought in 20 more. That's when I said, maybe we should actually milk these for just, for more than just ourselves. So that's when we started the dairy. We partnered with some friends of ours that actually had dairy sheep. They wanted to do the same thing, but they didn't have any land where they were at. So they went and bought all the equipment. We had the land. So we put the, we started building the dairy here and put everything kind of together, his stuff, our stuff. And after about a year, let's see, that was 2006. 16. So by the end or by the spring of 2018, they decided they didn't want to milk anymore. It was just, it, it just, they decided it just wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. So they went away and all their equipment went away. Oh. So now for the second time, we are restarting the dairy okay. and we're having to buy all the equipment and get everything kind of the way we want it to without having to worry about whatever what other people want it to be and at the beginning were you milking by hand yes yes I I learned you get fast little fingers (laughs) (laughs) I learned really fast that 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 wasn't how I wanted to do it so now we do have um the milking machines and um we just do a two bucket system so that we milk into we can milk two sheep at a time into a bucket and then um, that will go into our bulk tank. And then from there, we'll pasteurize it and then make cheese. So you do you do the full end-to-end all on your farm? Yes. Wow. Yes. That's incredible. Okay, so I can see the desire from a homesteading or self-sufficiency point of view to have, you know, your own dairy produce. But on the scale that you're operating at now, why would one have a sheep dairy? What are the sort of benefits? Well... I don't really have a good answer for that. <laughs> it, it was just one of those that I woke up one day and decided that that's what I wanted to do. I do know that sheep milk imported to the U.S. Oh, and now, of course, I can't remember the numbers, but I think it's like 200,000 pounds of sheep milk and cheese that's imported every year. So there's a high demand in the U.S. for sheep milk and for sheep cheese. So I think it's one of those that it, there's not a huge market and let me rephrase that. There's not a lot of cheap dairies out there. I think there's only about 100, 125 in the U.S., mm-hmm. but there is a demand for it. And mm-hmm. so I think getting getting the word out there and letting more people know that this is this is mm-hmm. a thing, it will help production. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the right word or not. Well, but I, yeah, I guess you, you sort of you can create your own market, can't you? You can. I mean, what sort of cheese do you end up producing, and what does it taste like that I that I plan to make? Yeah. 
the thing that I was making just for our family, I did a lot of cheese curds and then I also made um, just a cheddar cheese. And so that's what we're going to stick with to begin with um, until we get, until I get better at it and then can start adding different kinds of cheeses in. So, so we'll do one soft cheese and then one hard cheese that'll probably be aged for about 60 days. Mm. And how different is it to sort of a a dairy cow operation in terms of, you know, and I know over here in Australia, the the calves stay with the mums for about three to five days and then they're taken off and then the mums sort of go into the cycle and then they get pregnant again. So what's it all, what's it all like? And do you have to raise those lambs yourself then? So what we, what, what we did before and what we plan to do now is what they call a milk share. So you leave the moms on for, or you leave the lambs on the moms for 12 hours, and then you separate them for 12 hours. At the end of that 12 hours, you milk the ewes, and then you rejoin mom and baby again. Okay. And so that for us, that way the lambs, the moms can still raise the lambs, and I don't have to. And then we also still get the benefit of being able to get the milk. Fabulous. And what what sort of quantity of milk do you expect to get then in that sort of sharings from each ewe? From each ewe, usually, depending on the ewe, on average, you can get about two, maybe three quarts of milk. And then you can get up to a gallon depending on how good your ewe is. I do have a couple gallon milker ewes, but most of them are just a couple quarts. Mm. And if you milked twice a day, you could definitely get plenty more than that where you're not sharing with the sharing with the lambs yeah for anyone who works on a different system a quart is very similar to a liter a liter is a tiny bit right yeah right that's pretty good so I can see why I suppose the cheese is going to be the main product rather than sort of bottled milk right right so for four gallons of milk get a pound of cheese compared to like cows that are almost double that per pound of cheese. Oh, wow. So sheep milk is, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot richer. It's a lot thicker. So you can get more out of it. Eventually I am really hoping that we can do bottled milk because I love sheep milk. I just, I, I prefer it over cow milk, but my husband and my daughter won't even touch it. So if I'm going to do it, <laughs> I don't really want to be drinking that much every day. Yeah. it's a lot of pancakes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> is, is it the pregnancy so the cycle will be exactly the same as if you were breeding sheep for wool or breeding sheep for meat? So mm-hmm. yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yep. What what sort of health challenges can can happen in a in a milk sheep enterprise? What are some of the challenges there? So Basically, they have the same kind of challenges as if you were doing meat sheep. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest issue we have is mastitis. Mm-hmm. And that's normally is if it's it comes from not you either aren't milking them out enough or the lambs are not milking them out enough. And so that's really our biggest challenge is them not getting dried off correctly grass te- grass technique te- we do have we thankfully haven't had that issue but that is an issue with with um dairy sheep as well yes. we had a buddy of ours that ended up losing or had about half his flock go down um with it and so it's it's something that it is definitely an issue but thankfully it is not a huge issue that um pops up regularly mm. 
Excellent. So that is where there is um, also called hypomagnesium as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So deficiency, yes. a deficiency in magnesium. Uh, with, with the mastitis in particular, is it is it more when at the end of their lactation uh, that, that that you're likely to yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. How big yes. Are, yeah. Big just big? just in that that pre dry off period. Okay. And how big are, are we talking with these udders that that your four way cross sheep actually have? Are they are they huge? Um, they can be. <laughs> uh, mine thankfully are not terribly huge. Okay. Um, it's for dairy sheep udder confirmation. It you really kind of want their udder no lower than their hock. So you don't really want them any lower than that. And then you want to make sure that where they attach on the U, almost a wider base than a thinner base, so that there's there's that what is it like a suspension That's that it. holds it better. Because otherwise they if they get too heavy, they could separate and then you have a useless U. Excellent. So yeah, the suspensionary ligament. I think it's called. There you go. Yeah. Yes. And um, I, I actually have had that in my years where you have the pendulous udder where literally just, you know, and, and then yes. you get dirt in the, the teat and the show's over. Yes. And so, yeah, bigger is not always better. Mm, yeah, absolutely. What about your use? Uh, I know when, when, when we're lambing, it's just you've got to really watch the condition and make sure that they're well fed. Is that something that you constantly right. need to be on to? Yeah. We do. Um, mm. So dairy sheep, kind of like dairy cows, they, because they're trying to produce so much milk that body confirmation is, or body score is really not always the best. So you, you try to find that fine line of where, you know, how much you need to be feeding them to keep them in a good pot body condition as well as producing enough milk for you and their lambs. Mm -hmm. And so we do, um, we do corn silage as well as alfalfa mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of mix that together and, and keep them. And then we do also some um, just regular whole corn. Okay. And so that, that seems to work for us pretty well in keeping mm -hmm. the body condition on them. But yeah, they, they, it's, it's kind of tougher to do. Mm -hmm. Um, when they're out on pasture during the summer, they look fabulous. You wouldn't tell the difference between them and a meat sheep. They're just fat roly polies. Wow. But during the winter when they're lambing, we do have to really watch what we're feeding them to make sure that they maintain that body weight. Mm -hmm. And how, how long do your, does, does your four cross or white cross breed live for? Um, I have some ewes that are you know, 10 years old, you know, I've only been breeding or been doing this since 2014. Um, and so some of those that I bought that were older when we first started this, you know, they're, they're about 10, 12 years old, but the majority of my use, um, we keep for about seven, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. And by then their body scores are kind of going down. And so they either just become, you know, babysitters for the lambs, or we do end up just putting them down or seeing if, you know, somebody just wants something to eat through their backyard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll... Good. That's nice. So they're the, so the retirees. Right. And are you using particular RAM to go over your use? I, I have 22 RAMs oh. that we, 
we, we, we rotate them. I do a one on, not necessarily one-on-one basis, but one Ram per group. Um, I keep very strict records. So I want to make sure that I know exactly which Rams are with who are fathering, which lambs. And so, um, we have the majority of our Rams are East Frisian and Lacone crosses. Um, I do have a couple Asif and East Frisian crosses, and then as well as the Icelandic, um, East Frisian Lacoon crosses. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I kind of run the whole gambit of the, the ram or the breeds that I like for my dairy sheep um, is what we keep for rams. Mm, fabulous. And how many lambs are your ewes producing? Um, I usually consistently get twins and triplets. We've had a lot of singles. I did, a, I did some early breeding. I've never year round bred before. We usually only only lamb from January until, um, about mid April. And this year I decided to try doing year round. And so we bred a bunch of stuff early. Um, let's say, I think it was early in July and I got a lot of singles out of that group. So I'm not sure what I did wrong or if it was just because I used a lot of first time moms, or if I have a Ram issue, I need to go back and assess Mm -hmm. that and figure out what, why I had all these singles. Mm. it's a little disconcerting it is (laughs) yeah I think um even though you've got in your from what I can understand from in your breed you've got a mixture of the seasonal breeds and Mm -hmm. you know breeds that would be cycling all the time I guess it's just which is more dominant in that particular flock right yeah right and is that something you'll continue to do breed all year round it is. We'd like to be able to milk all year round. Yeah. So um, we'll do like three groups for three or four groups during the year. Yeah. Um, some of our bigger groups will do, you know, make sure we keep that January through March breeding our biggest group and then just, mm-hmm. you know, 20 or 30 head throughout the rest of the year just to keep up with the the um, being able to milk our, you know, 20 head every every go round. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And talking of that then, what's what's the plan with your milking system? What sort of setup would would you know are you wanting to put into your lovely new dairy? So we do a we have a six head stanchion that we put into the dairy. So we'll milk six head at a time. Um, our ultimate goal is to be able to milk 24 every every time we milk. Mm-hmm. And so once we milk them, like I said, we have a two bucket system. We'll milk two ewes per bucket. And then um, we have the, we actually have a vacuum. So we have, we have the, the, the claws that we use and that has a, a vacuum suction thing. So then it just milks directly into the bucket. We don't, you know, short of, of cleaning stuff off, we don't even touch anything. And then we'll take that milk into the, our raw room and put, dump it into the bulk tank. And then it'll sit there. Um, so we have to mil- move the milk every three days. So once it goes from that three days after we get our milk into there, we move it over to our processing room. And this is the processing room was kind of an afterthought. We weren't originally going to make cheese on our place. We were just going to milk and send it, send the milk off like we had done before. But again, I got one of those stupid, crazy ideas. So now we're making the milk room or the processing room. And so 
there's a, where we're going to pasteurize it and then put it into the cheese vat and make all our product there. That's amazing. Uh, you wanting this to be full time for you? It's a lot of work. I would love it to be full time <sighs> for me. Yes, I I want to get to the point where I can quit both my off farm jobs and be on the farm full time and just play with my sheep. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's great. So given that you're going to be processing on site and you pasteurize on site, what sort of legal loopholes do you have to jump through all the compliance and all those regulations? Because that's just, I know over here, it's everything's illegal. <laughs> right. So for us to do this, we have to be a licensed grade A dairy, which means we have to comply with all the USDA regulations. Um, we have to have our well water has to meet certain criteria so that it um, it doesn't, you know, flow into the lakes or creeks that basically surround our place. Um we need to have a waste management plan so that they know where our manure is going to go. So again, it doesn't go into the aquifer. And um, if we don't have like, so if we want to spread the manure on our land, we have, they, we have to show proof that we have enough land to be able to do that. Otherwise we have to find somebody else who will take our manure. I think that's, those are like the big ones that we have to have. What about packaging and storage? Are there other regulations around the packaging and the, how long you can store it and things like that and transporting it. Right. So what they really regulate is how long your milk sits in that bulk mm -hmm. tank. So mm -hmm. sheep milk, you can freeze and I think it's up to like six months without having any issues. It will come out and thaw and be able to be used just as if it was the day you milk the sheep. So that's a huge advantage for us. So if we can't get to what we need, mm -hmm. um, we can put it into a bag and freeze that and then thaw it and then make our cheese with it later. Mm -hmm. So really just the moving it those after three days is the only real regulation they have. Mm. And for you then to, to be able to have this full time, what sort of quantity of sheep do you think you, you, you need to be milking to, to make it worth your while retiring into sheep full time? So, so for me, for, for me personally, if I was milking, probably if I was milking about a hundred head between 100 and 150 head I could I could easily make a go of it. I know dairies that they're they're milking 300 head and still have, you know, still have their day job and I know dairies that are milking 50 head and they're home full time. Yeah. So I it really all depends on, you know, your own setup and what you plan to do. Yeah, and goals exactly. And I guess the 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 concept that you've got paddock to cracker really <laughs> you you're gonna make but you got the potential that you like that one yeah i did a great podcast yeah that, that right. works i like yeah, that. that works yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good isn't it but that's the that's yeah. the you've got to to maximize the commercial um, gain, I suppose, from your product. It's amazing what you're doing. It's just so inspiring. And I just like it because I get to play with sheep all day long. <laughs> so for me, that's like the best job in the world. And, you know, okay, so I know you, 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 you as a listener, you'll know we talk about eating meat, but hey, eating yes. cheese, I mean, seriously, there's nothing 
nothing compares. It's so brilliant. I know. <laughs> I know. I, 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 I'm terrible. I love cheese. I could eat a whole block at a time. So it, yeah, probably a really dangerous avenue I'm getting into, but. <laughs> well, at least you know where it's all coming from and, and what goes into it. Do you have to put in the sort of rennet and things like that? Is that sort of the cheese making process is sort of a, yeah, normal? Yep. Do the rennet, do the cultures. Um, if you wanted to change the color, I've noticed when I'm making mine, it comes out really, really super white. Mm. And so if you wanted, you know, to do a yellow, you'd have to add the, I forget what dye it is, but you'd have to add that if you wanted to. And, but yeah, it's, it's basically just like you would be making any other kind of cheese from any other kind of either goat or cow. So once you get all the infrastructure set up, what other inputs do you do you have to you will need to think about or oh for the cheese yeah, yeah. so i need to get the rennet and the cultures and any molds that i want to do and then i eventually i'd like to do butter too so then i'd have to look oh. into some butter molds and then we we need so we bought a refrigeration freezer box system mm-hmm. so once we get that set up we'll need to put in something to age the cheese on in there. And I think I want to say cedar, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if that's right. But a lot of people use, I think it's cedar boards that they age their cheese on. Mm. And a lot of the USDA inspectors do not like that. They would rather have them on racks instead. But if you can convince them that these are okay, then, then they'll usually let you do them. Um, because it, it does help age the cheese better. Actually, just talking about cedars there, or you know, you were talking about cedar, but cedars, that could be something to try if you wanted to, oh, yes. to breed all year round. You probably thought about it if you thought about that. So using cedars in your ewes yes. to get them to ovulate more. Yes. And and yep, yeah, and that's what we did in July. We yep. Yeah, so we have been using cedars. We've been doing that for about two years. And then we also do a shot of the PG 600 to kind of help with those multiples. And so that's, that's why I'm like really concerned that I got a bunch of these singles because it's like, okay, what happened here? Yeah. Cause it's costly. You know, that's all extra import. Yes. Mm. Yes. It's not cheap to do. No, no, I, I, we did, we've done it done it with cattle here on, on our farm once and yeah and, I'm, and I'm, I've never done it with sheep hopefully I'll never have to but with cattle we had about a 60 percent pregnancy okay. which they say is actually quite good for but cattle are different yes. cattle are, are not like sheep you don't have any um genetic impact you know in your cat in the cattle we were having anyway so right like, at least you've got that influence from the breed that crossbreeding uh, sheep that you've mm-hmm. got. So how, how does this compare now to, in, in, so you're producing cheese, obviously you, you would sell potentially sell live animals from time to time. So what's the, right. what's the, the sort of revenue like compared to selling wool or selling sheep for meat? Is it similar? Is it more? We rarely finish our lambs. So our market is, is just pasture lambs and we can usually get between a dollar 25 and a dollar 40 a pound um for those and you know for wool in our area wool isn't worth anything we just burn it because it's it i think i think the last time we tried taking wool to sell we got like 15 cents a pound Mm. if that i don't even think it was that much it was it, it didn't even pay for the gas to get it there 
So we just, we, yeah, we just get rid of the wool. So it's, it's not worth anything unless you have like the really super fabulous sheep with the really super fabulous wool, which mine are not because they're dairy sheep. Exactly. So their wool is not that great, <laughs> but yeah. So we, then I think, think it was last week with the market report that sheep, sheep were going for about a buck 50 a pound um, at the local market. So it, we figure we're, we're probably in, so we're probably in, in about the right area for what we want to be selling our lambs for. Excellent. And then, so, so you'll be, you'll be selling your lambs, keeping your breeding flock, if you like, and still having a cheese product. Yes. So it sounds like, you know, you're, you're, You've got the opportunity, apart from the wool issue, which we know a lot of people who right. eat sheep have that wool issue anyway. But you you could potentially earn an awful lot more. Obviously, the the infrastructure capital is 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 quite large. And what are you hoping to sell your so cheese? For, so right now, um, sheep cheese is going for about thirty five to forty dollars a pound, and then um, milk is averaging about a buck twenty five a pound. Okay. So there there is the potential, you know to be able to make some money there um, if I can get my product out there. Yeah, excellent. So let's talk about that then. What What is your sort of plan to, to market your product and, uh, and, and, and sell, sell your, particularly selling your cheese? So originally, originally I was just going to go and hit like some of the farmers, local farmers markets. Um, but, thanks to COVID, those were all shut down. <laughs> so now we are, now we're having to kind of reassess. We're hoping by this summer, things will open up again and we'll be able to do some of the farmer's markets. Cause I'm hoping to be able to start processing, um, in about probably May so that I can hit some of those, those later farmer's markets. Mm-hmm. My husband would really like to be able to get into a couple of the local stores mm-hmm. so that we can just sell the cheese there. And he's been kind of, he's a hustler. So he's been making uh... connections that way. And, and, and I'm okay with that because he can deal with people. I can deal with my sheep. <laughs> and then, um, but my ultimate dream would be able to have like a farm stand here at the house or at on the farm rather than having to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, and, and is that likely? Are you in a an area where you would get people dropping in to, to buy cheese? I think if we did some advertising, we yeah. could. Um, I'd like to do some online sales too, mm-hmm. because especially in this day and age, I think that would be really huge. Um, but yeah, we we live right on a main thoroughfare between about four cities. And so yeah. I think it would if if I had a little sign and you know a cute little little hutch or something out there, I could I could yeah. get a decent amount of draw. That's brilliant. And of course, cheese with the the shelf life is you know it's fabulous. Right, yeah. right. Got a a longer shelf life than most people think it does. Mm-hmm. So I it it would it would be a doable option. When we bought our farm, one of the things we considered was are you within half an hour of uh, a city or a town that has, you know, 15, 20,000 people in it? Uh, and it sounds like you are, because if you want to sell direct, that's the sort of, you sort of want to be able to get that within reach and then, and then you can sort of venture out further. But if you've got that sort of population locally, you know, you should, mm-hmm. you should be able to market locally. So that sounds like you've got it. You're in a great location. 
for what you're doing. Yeah, it should work out, I hope. Yeah, nice stuff. <laughs> and how advanced are you with the, the sort of brand, your logo and your name for your cheese and, and your packaging? Because that's all very exciting stuff too. It, it is, and and I've kind of put it off a little bit because it almost see, it's it's almost a little overwhelming. My husband actually drew our logo, so I use that on all my stuff. And then, you know, other than that, I really haven't gotten too in-depth with, with what else we want to do for, like, naming cheeses or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's you can spend a lot of time doing that um, as well, but... Yes. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's good fun, especially when when you see see the product. Like one of the things we've been looking at and uh, is the little freezer bags, trying to get sort of freezer bags for oh, yes. meat, you know, so things like that. Yes, um, and just get the you know the, the right quality, the right color, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's actually not easy. Yeah, yeah, we've got uniforms, we've got baseball hats, we've got shirts like work shirts, and then oh fun formal shirts. And we have postcards, which is are they the latest thing, these sort of postcardy things. And I also did some calico bags, actually, so just like shopping bags uh, as well. Oh, so, that's so neat. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, I haven't thought anywhere near that far ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and it's all, it's just, I just call it merch. You know, it's all the merch. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> it's fun. I like it, but. Yeah, I, you're you need to stick to the knitting right now and and get that dairy get that dairy ticking over. Yes. Get some product before you, yeah, you sort of venture into the next stage. Oh wow, how exciting! Exactly, oh, great. Well, I do hope you go online and you start to ship internationally. Try some then. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Becca, what's been the biggest challenge for you since? Since you've, you've started, you know, over the last sort of six or so years, what's been the biggest challenge? Probably the biggest challenge has been restarting doing the dairy mm-hmm. and trying to find all of the products that we need. You know, we ended up having to drive all the way to Wisconsin for our pasteurizer. We went way up like six hours to Northern Idaho to get our bulk tank. I mean, we've traveled everywhere to try and piecemeal this thing back together. That's probably been our biggest, our biggest issue is just trying to get all the parts and pieces that we need. Um, Cause we're broke. So we're on a budget. Yeah. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we can only get so much stuff at, at one time. And, and I would love to just be able to walk in and say, yep, I want all that stuff yeah. brand new. Just haul it to the dairy. But yeah, that's unfortunately not our reality. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. And yeah. And, and that's, yeah, the, the capital is is hard to come by, isn't it? And I know we found that too, when we started to farm, you know, we, we had to buy land and then we had to get infrastructure and then mm-hmm. we had to get animals and livestock. And you're starting right. from scratch and these three major expenses. Yes. And animals are not cheap. No, <laughs> they're not. They're not. They shouldn't be either. They shouldn't be. No, I agree. Mm-hmm. No, not if you're if you're buying what you you need for what you're doing. They they shouldn't be cheap. They should mm-hmm. be as the best that you can actually get. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I always get suspicious when you see something too cheap. Get you get what you right. pay for. Yeah, you get what yeah. you pay for. That's right. Yeah. And if what, if our question is what yeah, is wrong with that? What is wrong with it? Yeah, exactly. And if uh, you know, uh, I'm not this sort of question makes me laugh because I think I I think I, I I think your answer will be just don't do it. 
But what advice would you have for someone who wants to start a dairy? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Know what you're getting into before you start. Um, don't just decide on a whim. This would be a great idea. <laughs> um, I actually, I would say the that you know, go find a sheep dairy um, and go visit and find out exactly what it takes because. You know, I mean, even, or even if just, you know, go visit a cow dairy because mm. they're, you know, it's, it's kind of same thing. You don't sleep. You are always on call for your animals. Um, whether you're milking once a day or twice a day, you need to be down there actually doing the milking, be in the barn. And it's not mm. just a quick run in, milk these 20 head and get out. I mean, mm. even for 20 head of sheep, it could take up to an hour to two hours between the setup, the milking, and then the takedown and the cleanup. Mm. So yeah, I would say visit a dairy, make sure that you, you know, you know what you're getting into. Yeah. But the potential though, and the reward, I mean, it seems like you, you absolutely love it. You're so passionate. Oh, I do. I, I, I do. I, I would never go back to anything else. You know, we've done a ton of stuff. We started out as cattle people. We had cattle forever. And then we did pigs because my daughter was in um, FFA. So she took pigs to the fair every year. So we did that and we've done bottle calves and turkeys and ducks. And I don't even remember what else. So we've done a million things and I'm like, Nope, sheep's it. I'm not doing anything else. I love these. They don't try to kill me. They, <laughs> they, they, they are my end result. This is what I want. You, and they must be so quiet. If they're so used to you, there's so much handling they, they must get really sort of affectionate and quiet. They We'd, um, most of them. Yes. Not all of them. We have some that I, in fact, I have one you that she jumped out of three breeding pens last year because she just wasn't having anything to do with it. So I do have a couple that are quite wild, but I have a lot that, you know, you walk into the pen and they're the first ones that come up and they want their hugs and pets and, mm. and, you know, you can sit in there and the lambs will just swarm you and, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I would Aww. never go back to anything else. Oh, that's so lovely. That's so lovely. And I guess that's that's what's going to make you successful, you know, that that sort of drive and, and that passion, which is wonderful. And I'm thinking you eat lamb. We do now. It took me several years to convince my husband because he ate mutton as a kid okay. and couldn't stand it. Oh, so wow. I, we, I finally convinced him that we needed to be eating our own meat since mm -hmm. we have it. So mm -hmm. yes, now he does actually eat lamb and likes it. Ah, and, and what's, what do you like to cook? What's your favorite cut of lamb? Um, I'm really simple. I love a good lamb chop. I just, I don't know. We, you know, we've done lamb roasts mm. and they're always really, really good, but I don't know. There's just something about just a really simple, easy lamb chop. That's just my favorite. Love it. That's fabulous. Yeah. Great stuff. You just can't beat that. Can you? That, yeah. The, the simple is often the best. You get the real taste of it then when you don't sort of cloud it with anything. Right. Mm. Exactly. Oh, that's great. How can people potentially get, get in touch with you? online if they wanted to chat with you more and and um sure so i am on instagram at at hidden hollow idaho mm -hmm. and then on facebook i have a hidden hollow page there i do have a youtube channel that i am trying to be better about 
you know, especially with us lambing and, and videoing all the stuff we're doing on the dairy barn. And that's also at Hidden Hollow. And so that's, yeah, that's, that's my latest project. I've had it for a while. I'm not very good at promoting it because I don't like looking at myself in the camera. (laughs) So it's, but I figure, you know, I'm, I want to document what we're doing and how we're getting everything done. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's why I started the YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. Good on you. Absolutely. Because you know, if, if we want to get more people enjoying sheep dairy products, then you sharing your story is a, is a great way to perhaps get get the product knowledge out there, but also get it, get more people farming dairy sheep as well. Right, mm. right. When you're buying sheep, what do you look for? Do you, do you buy many ewes, many dairy ewes? Or you just keep your own lambs, keep your own new lambs? I, I just keep my own now. Um, we, we haven't bought any sheep, um, for probably, Oh, I want to say three years. I think, I think 2017 was the last year we bought any sheep and they were all lambs. So I, you know, usually I go by the three T rule, your toes, your teeth and your teats or testicles. If it's a Ram, which I don't buy Rams very often, but, uh, for those I do, they're usually lambs too. So I, I do a lot of my assessing on the parents. So I, I want to see what that, you know, what that you lamb, what her mom looks like, what her dad looks like and, you know, hope, hope that she amounts to what they are. Great stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a good way to look at it, you know? So you see the, yeah, the, um, the structure of, of that older animal. Because things like mastitis can be actually genetic, can't it? It can be hereditary. Yeah. And that, that's always hard to assess too, because if you're looking at a ewe that, you know, either she's recovered from it or, you know, hasn't started showing signs or something, you know, then you're, you know, it's again, you're t- kind of taking a risk, but I guess you are no matter what you buy. Yes. Where, where would you have to go to get dairy sheep in the U.S.? Is, is, are there other, others around Idaho? Um, there are, I think there's two others here in Idaho. Um, we actually go where when we bought them, we went to Nevada and we bought some from a buddy of ours down there. Um, but there is an organization in the U.S. It's actually for all of North America. It's called Dairy Sheep Association of North America. And they have a directory on their website, which is dsana.org. And you can look at that directory. I don't think you have to be a member to get into the mm-hmm. directory. And they it shows all the all the registered um, sheep dairies in U.S. that are registered with them. And we are actually one of those dairies, too. But that's that's where we found um, most of or that's where we found Josh when we bought our sheep from him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been a really good way to to find other dairies um, in Idaho or in our surrounding area. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Fabulous. And who who influenced you most? Well, who've been the three people who influenced you most in your journey? This is really sad, but I don't have any. <laughs> This is this has been one of those really kind of do it on our own and learn as wow. we go. I if, if I had to pick anybody, it would be it would be Josh who we got our first mm-hmm. sheep from. Um, he he really kind of you know gave us some heads up on on how to do things with our dairy, 
and um, what to look for in our sheep. And he makes the best farmstead sheep cheese I've ever had in my life. Oh, wow. So I I want to make this sheep cheese that he makes. (laughs) Oh, wow. Great. But yeah, that's, yeah, he's really the only one that I can think of. Mm -hmm. Um, This, this has really been a journey of, of figuring out on our own and crossing our fingers and hoping we do it all right. Well, I think it's a good point, Becca. I think we need to influence ourselves, you know. We need to almost be our our own biggest influence in, uh, right. in some of the decisions we make because probably no one else would, would be crazy enough to do some of the things we do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who's dumb enough to start a sheep dairy? That's me. <laughs> Well, it sounds like the only way is up and and it's it's got it's an amazing opportunity. And and a lot of things can go wrong in actually making the cheese too. Count it yes. like it's really weird. Yeah, it's if if you have any um if you have any issues with your milk like if you're I think it's the somatic cell count if that's like really high it, you know, it'll mess up your milk. It'll mess up your cheese. Um, I know a couple people I have talked to that, like, if you have, um, I want to say it's like late lactation, there's something in the milk that it doesn't make very good cheese, but you can Mm. make butter out of it. Mm. Um, and then, you know, and your feed too, if you have even the slightest bit of mold, like in your feed, it, it'll ruin your milk. So you have to be really, really careful on what you're feeding and, you know, make sure that there are no, you know, even just a little bit of moldy hay or something that you would think, Mm. Oh, it's not so bad. It's just going to the Rams. You know? Yeah. You don't, you don't, you just don't because mm. it will really mess up your milk. It is so, I don't want to say fragile, but it kind of is. Mm. It, it, it's, it's a lot to learn. Mm. <laughs> and I'm not even wow. remotely there yet. Wow. But well, practice makes perfect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Figure there'll be a lot of taste testing going on before oh, I get gosh. to that point. Right. So, so what's the time frame? do you think, from, from here on in? So you were pouring concrete yesterday, so. <laughs> we were. Yeah, we poured concrete yesterday. Um, we, in fact, my husband is down putting up the walls on the barn today. And then um, if everything goes well, we should hopefully be milking by about first to mid of February. Mm-hmm. And then my plan is to start making cheese, kind of little test batches so that by early spring, you know, Mayish time, I can actually have some product to sell. Wow. That's amazing. So watch the YouTube channel for updates. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, with my spotty internet, hope it actually loads. <laughs> Again, the, the joys of rural life. Yeah. The joys of rural life. Yes. Oh, yes. Becca, it really does sound like an incredible adventure. It has been fun. Oh, and I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait till I see that first block of cheese ready to go. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's a good block and not one I have to throw out. 
<laughs> or feed you the chickens or something. That's right. That's right. I'm not as picky as my chickens are. They may not even eat that. <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Well, well done. Yep. Well done on starting and then restarting and and having a, a good go of it and you know and, and keeping keeping passion and keeping motivated. You are definitely an inspiration and I really do hope a lot more people start to look at sheep for from a cheese point of view, from a milk point of view. It's fabulous. I would love if more people would start sheep dairies. It would be absolutely fabulous. Any anything like that's good for sheep. And that when we're both happy if, if it's good for sheep. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you so much, Becca, for being on the podcast. I very much look forward to following all your adventures on your own social media oh. and really encourage the listeners to, to subscribe to your YouTube channel and follow you. So um, it's really good. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. You've been listening to the Sheep Show podcast with Jill Noble from Holston Valley Farm. Is there a topic you would like us to cover? and explore? Is there an interview you would like us to hold or an expert you'd like us to talk to? Please send us an email and we'll see what we can do to help you keep your learning going. You can email me at jill at holstonvalleyfarm.com.au. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, sheep well.